You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Food for Thought. Your table is now ready. Your servers will be Nate Geary and Bruce Nolan. Our specials today are cold, hard facts and fresh, hot takes. Can I get you started with... I'm sorry, just one moment. Can I get a little energy in here? it up to you live on the Buffalo Rumbling Vidcast Network. I'm Bruce Nolan, that's Nate Geary, and this is Food for Thought presented by Genesee Brewing Company. That's right, we have a new sponsor we're very proud of. If you are familiar with Nate at Nate Geary Sports, myself at Bruce Exclusive on social media, you will have already learned today that the new best sponsor for the Food for Thought podcast and live show on the Buffalo Rumblings YouTube channel is Genesee Brewing Company. Woo! So thanks for joining us for this episode where we combine two of your three favorite F words. Obviously food and football. The third one being fizz associated Mm. with alcoholic beverages. I don't know what you were thinking. Mm. Get your mind out of the gutter. Mr. Geary, how you doing, dude? I am lovely. Um... I, I'm good. I'm fantastic. Here's the thing. Um, I'm not going to drink eggnog live on the show tonight. Oh, for the first time twist plot twist. Yeah. I, uh, I did research and I'm reneging on it. Uh, I, I, here's the thing. When I found out the definition or how it's print or, or like what it's known as, as quote milk punch. Um, <laughs> I decided against it. Well, I mean, <laughs> egg. Wait, I'm sorry. It's also uh, referred to as egg milk punch. So I'm out on that, boss. So what you're saying is you looked up the word eggnog on Wikipedia, and the first sentence you said, "I'm out. I'm nope. done. I'm completely Not happening. done." Okay, so Not happening. Let's talk about it a little bit since we've got things to talk about. We're going to go ahead and talk about eggnog, but before we do that. Reminder, as we are all getting seated for our wonderful hour-long discussion that we're going to have, make sure you like, you subscribe, you rate, you review. Yeah, review. Review is good. Go to your podcast and YouTube reviews and go ahead and type in. Give us all the stars. Tell us you love us because you do, because we love you, because you're here and we're talking food and football together. It's another episode of Foodball. 
As a and reminder, beer now, will, by the way, and, and, and beer, beer now and beer. So we are going to try to get to as many comments as humanly possible. We will not get to every single one. We will, however, get to every single YouTube super chat. So if you really want to get our attention, that's the way to do it. Moving on. Nate is afraid of eggnog. That's, that's the highlight right here. That is the highlight. Eggnog one, Nate zero. So did you even get past the first line of Wikipedia, nope. Nate? Nope. Uh, I got historically known as milk punch and or. And anytime you have to put and or when describing um, something with egg and milk. Um, yeah, I didn't even get to the it's a rich, chilled, sweetened dairy based beverage. Um, I'm good. I listen as a it's whipped egg whites and egg yolks, which I grew up historically thinking is not good for you to eat or consume without it being cooked. So what's what's happening there, Bruce? I'm not entirely sure what's happening there. I am not an eggnog guy. And the reason I'm not an eggnog guy is I'm not a super significant cinnamon guy. Um, oh, cinnamon and no, nutmeg no, no, are no, like, no. eh, for me. And when you combine them, it's just, you know, it's just not really my part of my thing. I would just like to interrupt this conversation to say that, you know, Nate, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the YouTube shows that my wife historically mm -hmm. watches. We were talking about how there are, domestic focused YouTube channels of people who will yes. go through their grocery hauls and clean with me's and things like that. And you were like, Oh, what's ridiculous. So you're rolling your eyes and everything. And I just want to let you know that there's a small rivalry simmering between you and Mrs. Nolan behind the scenes. And when you just found out that really? you reneged, she sent me a text right now that is literally just gifts of people going, you're a little chicken, boo, <laughs> whiny, whiny baby, and lame. That is what's happening Whoa. right now. Because you, you reneged on your bet to have some eggnog, and now my wife is taunting you via text. I just wanted you to know okay. that Mrs. Miss Nolan's Nolan. going to have the last laugh at this point. Let's, let's, uh, let's remember who uh brought uh picasso's pizza into yes. your life miss that's a really good point Let's that's a really good point i feel like that remember. earns you a lot of slack for introducing mrs nolan to picasso's pizza though there is a new yeah. local pizza place in reasonable proximity to my residence location that we are going to try at some point that i have raved about that my wife has not had yet so we'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll see so in the comments Ooh. section Andy Anderson says eggnog plus bourbon equals delicious. Now, this is important. Why like you got to go ruining ruining bourbon, guys? Why you got to go ruining bourbon by adding dairy? I don't Correct. need dairy in my bourbon. Ron no. Swanson no, spits right. on that grave, Andy Anderson. He would be so I, disappointed. I do like white Russians, but that's okay, a very so different drink. It's you like white Russians, drink. but you're not willing to try eggnog? Uh, there's no egg in white Russians and yeah, but and it tastes like coffee. Milk punch could be used to describe white Russians too. You could call a white Russian. You could know what? you? A milk punch? Admit it. Admit it. The only reason you like white Russians is because secretly you kind of want to be the dude. Well, that's, that's beyond the fact, but I would like to read you the definition of a white Russian because it has nothing to do with milk punch. Uh, a white Russian is a cocktail made with vodka, coffee, liqueur, and served with ice in an old-fashioned glass, often milk, half and half, or cream liqueur. So you could go nuts and go cream liqueur, which 
that's a little alcoholic. It's a little boozy for me if you're going booze and booze. Um, but I would try it. And but I would say I usually like it um, with half and half or with uh, with heavy creamer. I would say heavy cream is probably the move for me if I'm going to drink a white Russian. Um, but yeah, I I I could not push back on you harder about a white Russian being in the same category as a milk punch. Just so we're clear. Pete says consuming eggs is fine as depicted in the boxing documentary, Rocky. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. This is the way I prefer to consume my eggs. We're actually going to have a really big breakfast tomorrow. And I think my wife is going to make like skillets, like bowls with like, we'll do hash browns. We'll do peppers and onions. We'll do cheese and eggs and things like that. That's the way I prefer to consume my eggs is as part of some sort of scramble or hash Mm. or omelet or things like that. I don't really need it mixed with like my alcohol. No, no. Listen, I know like traditional, is it old fashions or no, it's not old fashioned because I drink old fashions and that that's a great way to consume bourbon by the way. Um, but there, there's a, there's a whiskey drink. Is it a, a, a whiskey sour? I don't, I don't is that know. where they froth up the egg white and then they put it I, in there. Cause I, that's I just, no, I not really for me, not know. for me, not for me. But uh, in terms of breakfast eggs, can I tell you a good way that I've uh, that my girlfriend is starting to, you know, probably push me on more is, um, well, first of all, the most elite way to eat egg is poaching it. That's there's no there's no ifs ands or buts. Poaching an egg is the elite level of especially like a nice soft center, like good to go. Um, but for me, dipping eggs, you know, get a nice hot skillet, uh, sunny side up. You know, get some uh, get some fresh toast, sourdough, dip it right in that yolk, throw it on top, have yourself a little, you know, do it, make yourself uh, what what do they call a little at home breakfast sandwich? Come on, that's the way to go. A dippy dippy egg, egg. yeah, Yeah. for sure. Colin says Grace is the goat. Darn straight, Grace is the goat. If any of you have ever had Mrs. Nolan in your earlobes as part of a podcast or show, you will know Mrs. Nolan absolutely the goat. Andy Anderson is team Mrs. Nolan. Jason Taylor says, ruin yep. bourbon. Why would you ruin eggnog? I'm sorry, whoa. sir. You, whoa, whoa. Put bourbon in is ruining? Rakes. Okay, whoa. Rakes. Jason, Jason, buddy, listen, you're already strike one because you're named Rakes. after a famous Miami Dolphin player. That's strike, I strike two, man. I met, I met Jason two. Taylor two weeks ago. Did I, I didn't tell you that. Uh, no, he was in the not. press box. He was in the broadcast booth uh, for the for the game. And I, that's where I do my broadcast from. Uh, and he is the radio, uh, color man for the, uh, for the Dolphins. So I met Jason Taylor. So, uh, I, I met your friend, Jason. Oh, how about that? Andy Anderson says again, thank you, Andy. If you like white Russians, you'd like eggnog, right? They're in the same general geography. Nah. What's they're what's not spiced the same, about they're it. They're in the same zip code. They're in the same zip code. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. Richard Rush, the best way to consume bourbon over ice. Okay, I'll give you that. I won't now, disagree with that. This is important. I like I like bourbon. I'm more of an Irish whiskey guy. I prefer Irish whiskey to bourbon. No. Historically, always have. Uh, I, I met a gentleman from Pressure Drop uh, Brewing Company here locally in Buffalo. They're a small craft brewing company. Met the owner and the head brewer. He was a cool dude yesterday. He was telling me all sorts of crazy things they're doing with bourbon. Did you know that there's a, there's a bourbon that they make that – they will put in 
bourbon barrels that then were aged with rum back to bourbon and then they put it in a ship and it travels around the world and the ship shakes the bourbon inside of the barrels in such a way that creates this unbelievable uh, taste to it and it sounds unbelievable and it almost sounds impossible like and also also sounds like it might not even be worth it um but it sounds like a good time that's amazing okay moving along we should get ladies to and gentlemen we just had a bad taste in our mouth and i thought that it was really really important that we talk about this because that's the phrase we use as fans as fanalists even though it doesn't really always come to fruition what kind of bad taste it is (laughs) we talk about leaving a bad taste in our mouth with a game like bills jaguars but we don't really talk about what type of bad taste so we're going to do that if bills jaguars was a meal or food nate what kind of meal or food would that game have been uh undercooked fried calamari Okay, that is extremely specific. I love it. You're getting, yeah, I need the elaboration now. Oh, well, I don't. I don't like calamari as it is, but I know that when it's undercooked, it gets like real rubbery. You want it to have a, that crisp on the outside. Um, and generally speaking, just the thought of calamari makes me want to vom. So, um, yeah, I look at that Pills game and I think. This is just, this is not consumable. This is nothing that, uh, that I'm going to enjoy. Give me some chicken wings and let's get the hell out of here. It just, there was a lot to dislike about that game from a schematic and execution, a penalties, uh, pre-snap, post-snap, you name it. There was pretty much nothing you could take out of that game other than the bills are a win away from being second in the AFC somehow this week. So short of that, yes. I'm not taking much, I'm not taking much from it. Well, the AFC is crazy, so that yes, it makes is. sense for me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ruffle some feathers with this take. Bills Jaguars was a garbage plate for me, and I'll tell you why Bills Jaguars was a garbage plate. Because individually, I like a lot of the things that show up on a garbage plate, and when I was initially talked about and introduced to the concept of a garbage plate, I thought, well. All of these things I enjoy individually. I like Mac salad, like hot dogs. You know, I like the sound, at least, of this meat sauce. Let's try them together. Sure, let's do it. But for some reason, the whole was not the sum of the parts. It was not more than the sum of the parts. Be it was wrong. markedly less than the sum of the parts. And so you understand that this team is good. They have a good quarterback they have a good defense they have good weapons it just didn't come together it did not come together they put all these things on the field but what you walked away from made you wanting to go run to the toilet and in that case bills jaguars was a garbage plate and Mm. mind you i don't have anything particularly against garbage plates they were just hyped up so significantly to me that when i had one i was like eh eh i mean okay what is this thing? And then the Rochester people, of course, defend it with their lives as they should. It's their, it's their thing. It's, a it's their thing. thing. There's the reason why garbage plates are not really a thing significantly outside Rochester is not because Rochester has the market cornered. It's because nobody outside Rochester has the same connection to them. So that is the reason why Bill was really Jaguars is indeed a garbage plate. 
that was well thought out and far more nuanced than my reasoning of just not liking calamari. You really brought in all of the elements to that, Bruce. So I really appreciate that. And, um, you know, before we, we light a match to this, this Jacksonville game and, before we bring on our guest from CBS Sports, Jeff Kerr, uh, I think it is time for us to uh, to throw a match on this game. What do you say? We done with Absolutely. it? Absolutely, yeah. Can, can, it. Or can we can we literally bury the tape like Dan Campbell did? Did he literally bury it? No, I I think his one of his assistant coaches they literally buried the tape. Like I they took Dan it to Campbell. a total. Yeah, same. I mean, they went I love to a very Campbell. literal level. I love it. Dan Campbell. I hope he's a coach for forty years. <laughs> I love Dan Campbell. I do. I love him. I think I think he's great. I think he is incredibly entertaining. I'm not entirely sure if I wanted to be my coach, but he's incredibly entertaining, and I think he's good for the sport. He so, would be like the Bill Belichick of a league that was run by the WWE, I feel like. <laughs> that, now that, that, that is a far more nuanced take than anything I said hey, previously. It's a fact. Good. Okay, we got one more thing to talk about before Mr. Kirk comes on, and that is, Nate, what's going to be different about the Bills' offense moving forward? Mm. What's it going to look like? I have a take if you don't have one quite yet and you want to think about it for a second. It sounds like you want to go, so I'm going to let you go, bud. I want to see under center. I want to see a lot mm. more under center. I want to see boot action. I want to see... Okay. I want to see stuff working across the formation. I think Isaiah McKenzie working across the formation. I think tight ends working across the formation. Because if you think about it, Josh Allen, you have said before on this show that Josh Allen rolling to his right is one of the deadliest things in the NFL. That's right. right. Yeah. So if your quarterback is deadly on the move, he has the ability to get the corner on an edge defender, and he's good throwing there. You have people who can shake loose from man coverage downfield, and yeah. you have offensive line issues. It seems to me like a moving pocket seems reasonable. It seems to me like a lot of boot action. It seems a lot of working against the formation kind of stuff with some jet motion could be something that you see from this team to hold the backside linebacker and built in these nice, easy cutback lanes for players like Devin Singletary. That's what I'm looking at moving forward. What I'm looking at is mm. more under center, more wide zone. And I think the activation of Matt Breida could potentially have something to do with that. So I like where your head's at, and I think that's an interesting take that maybe I hadn't considered. And one of the one areas that I think could most benefit from the Bills maybe focusing on bringing Josh Allen back under center with more frequency is the play action and, and the efficiency and the effectiveness that play action ha can have when the quarterback is turned around to the defense and has the ball out. Um, rather than a, a standard sort of just mesh point play action from shotgun, um, and I, you know, that's one of the things I, I, there are many reasons why T Ryan Tannehill and, and the Titans are so effective with that play action. It's because they have Derrick Henry dotting the eye, um, in the backfield. And, and I, obviously that, that in itself makes play action for the Titans very effective. But if particularly, if you're not running the football, well, I had this conversation, um, with Eric Wood, uh, Bill's color man and former, former center. And, and I'm glad you brought this up because, we talked about the wide zone and the Bills maybe trying to go more to that look with Matt Breida because of his foot speed and his ability to get to the edge and beat those either edge defenders, but more, more or less those linebackers. And one of the things he mentioned to me was when Rick Dennison came in and really uh, instilled and installed that wide zone concept with LaShawn McCoy, the thought was internally within the franchise was that LaShawn McCoy 
oh man, I mean, Shady's got the quickness. He's got the moves to bounce things outside to really stretch out defenses. The problem was is those wide zones are really designed to hit those cutback lanes really hard. And the problem was that LaShawn was getting to the edge too quickly. Um, and he wasn't able to really take advantage of the cutback lanes that that the wide zone designs around. So I think the one thing you would say is, well, the Bills don't really have a, a, a an outside zone running back in Zach Moss or Devin Singletary because they lack that true foot speed. But in the same sense, you can overrun at times that outside zone and and and, and cut off a lot of those cutback lanes that the the actual design of the run is supposed to create. So I, I do find I did find that answer from him super interesting on like, hey, how does this run offense potentially look different if you know they bring in a map Rita? And I think it's maybe less about, you know, a scheme shift as much as it is just providing a different skill set, providing a little bit of foot speed um, in a room that right now I just think needs a different pace, um, a different pace setter out there at the running back position. And 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 I think at this point, obviously, we know Daryl Williams is going back at right guard. I think that should open up a lot of things on the right side. Uh, Eric Turner did a great job over the last week kind of breaking down how much better the offensive line has looked when Daryl Williams can kind of slot back down to the guard position. You get Spencer Brown back at right tackle. So I'm expecting to see the fruits of that, that lineup shift back to uh, what I think is is four of their best five linemen and then, um, you know, kind of let it go from there. But I know we got to hit our uh, our Genesee Brewing Company hotline because uh, Jeff Kerr of CBS Sports is joining Food for Thought Live here on the Buffalo Rumblings uh, vid- vidcast yeah. network. And uh, first and foremost, Jeff, thank you so much for joining Bruce and myself on this Friday evening. We uh, we really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me on, Nate. Uh, you know, it's I, how can I put it in words? Uh, I had to do the injury report for CBS tonight, so kind of got all that done, and now I'm just detoxing for the night. So nine o'clock worked perfectly for me on Friday. Well, listen, uh, nine o'clock on a Friday works great for us, especially now that we are sponsored by Genesee Brewing Company. So we get to have a beer. And I mean, if you see behind me, I've got even got myself a flag here, Jeff. But uh, Bruce, I'll kind of I'll let you kick off our interview because I know you want to set the stage um, for some of what Jeff and I were going back and forth this week on Twitter on part of the reason I had him um, really kind of diving into Josh Allen's game. Hi, Jeff. I appreciate you being here. One of the things that was a minor topic this week, especially after the game that Josh Allen had against the Jaguars, was the concept of regression. And I think that when you look at specific statistics in regards to raw stats, you look at yards and touchdowns and yards per attempt, raw ratios, things like this. It really doesn't look like Josh Allen's having that much of a different season. When you look at some of the advanced metrics, some of the holistic composite metrics, things like QBR, passer rating, PFF grade, NEA, DVOA, things like that, there's a little bit of a step back. So when I try to juxtapose these two things, when I think, okay, the raw production is roughly the same, the efficiency doesn't seem to be, how do I marry those things in my head? How can I marry these concepts in my head? And where do you fall on, is there actual regression? If there is, is it even enough to call it that? Or is it simply within margin of error? I honestly think we're picking straws when it, count, when it comes to Josh Allen and regression. Because from the national point of view, I don't see that. And that hasn't really been a topic of, on is Josh Allen regressing? It's more of, okay, how good is Josh Allen? Or where do we rank Josh Allen amongst the, the top quarterbacks in the league? Like, look, Patrick Mahomes is re- 
has regressed this year. That's kind of taken precedent over everything else. So when I look at Josh Allen, that, and you know, I was looking at the DVOA stuff too, like Nate and I were talking about, it is down this year. But he also picked up his game in the second half of last season, if you guys remember. And he probably would have been the MVP of the league if it wasn't for Aaron Rodgers. And overall, I don't think there are that many quarterbacks that are just lighting the world on fire. Like Russell Wilson was one, but then he got hurt. Uh, Matthew Stafford's been good. I don't think he's been necessarily great. I, I mean, he's having a good year, don't get me wrong, but he's always had that type of year. Mahomes is down. Lamar Jackson's having a tremendous year, and then he puts in that clunker last night. It mm-hmm. just feels like every one of these quarterbacks have put in clunkers this year, and I I, I, I don't know. I, I guess because the Bills have such high expectations to go to the Super Bowl, and I keep telling people this. If you're a Chiefs fan, if you're a Bills fan, I wouldn't worry about anything when it comes to the AFC because none of these teams are kind of putting these guys in the middle of the pack and here are the Bills, here are the Chiefs. They're literally like two games out of this, like less than two games out of it if you're Buffalo. And yeah, you get upset over them losing the Jacksonville, but Baltimore I thought was a really good team and they lost Miami last night. So it's wide open and it it's sort of making me think why Kansas State and Buffalo will be back in the AFC championship. Mm. Listen, I, I I said today I, I've been filling in all week on 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 our um, on my station at WGR five fifty on the afternoon show, and you know we were sort of joking and and talking about the AFC. We did a reverse power rankings um, of the AFC, and I still had the Bills number one. Um, and I think the main reason is is a I'm not I'm not overly impressed by the things that I see from Tennessee. Um, and B, I just was not, not a believer in, 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 in Baltimore. And obviously coming into today that, that, that looked to be pretty good, but the, the team I, I had sort of said, like, who's the team I just don't want to see in the playoffs. And my answer was the Kansas city chiefs. And, and I think the really, the, the reason behind that is you can take the ebbs and flows of a season. And just because the Kansas city chiefs over the last two, two and a half seasons, hadn't really seen that sort of adversity. I, I think they're learning to work through that adversity, Jeff. So I think for me, if if my answer is, I think I most fear the Kansas City Chiefs for the Bills and their quote-unquote route to the Super Bowl, you know, are, are, are you maybe buying into that thought process as well? Yeah, so again, I'm from Philadelphia. I've seen Andy Reid since 1999. I'm a big Andy Reid fan. I'm a big Sean McDermott fan because of Andy Reid. And there's one thing I love about Andy Reid teams and John Harbaugh and Sean McDermott and all these guys. You ever notice they don't really have terrible, terrible seasons or the season never spirals out of control. Like the Chiefs are two and three. Oh, the world's on fire. Now, Andy Reid's done that before. He's started year two and three once and ended up 12 and four. That's just the way he is. He's done. He started year one and five once and won nine in a row. So this mm. is like the Andy Reid mantra. And you're going to see that with Sean McDermott too. There's always going to be a, an inexplicable loss under Sean McDermott. There just is. He comes from the same school as Andy Reid, Ron Rivera, you know, John Harbaugh, all these guys. Matt Nagy's like the one exception to like a bad Andy Reid disciple. I mean, Doug Pearson always had bad losses with the Eagles. It's You can't explain it, but it, it's not like Buffalo is – a terrible, terrible football team. And like you said, Nate, I'm not really sold on Tennessee either. Although I did have a fun joke this week when the Rams got back from they go, who could stop this offense? I think ESPN put it down. I'm like, well, the Titans just did. Last the Titans week. did it pretty easily with, I can't really name you very many defensive backs from that backfield in, in Tennessee. And yeah, Jeff, I, I, I just kind of keep looking at this AFC and, and I'm sort of wondering like, who is the team that's going to step up? And, and I think if you're the Bills, you have to be, 
you have to be excited about where you are, I think, for a lot of reasons, because I think going into this week, you could end up being one game behind the Tennessee Titans with a win against the New York Jets. And 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 bringing this back a little bit to the Josh Allen point as well, and I know Bruce will probably have a good follow-up question for you on this as well with, with the Josh Allen point, but talking about sort of marrying these stats together, what has been the thing, at least in your mind, when you watch Josh Allen, when you, I think even more so when you listen to Josh Allen talk about his game, what are some of the things that, you know, maybe this year, you've seen that may not be as a either efficient as it was last year. And and, and the one area I think I, I kept looking at so far through the first um, eight games, Jeff, or nine games, I should say, uh, well, well, eight for the bills um, is, is those deep shots, right? Like I, I, we haven't seen them in maybe the same volume, but he's completing those 20 plus yard throws at a pretty accurate and efficient clip right now through the first nine games. Yeah. There's two things I look at when I'm watching Josh Allen games and this is what sucks. I don't get to watch Bill's games live. I usually watch like, you know, the condensed highlights version, the 45 man on game pass on Tuesdays and stuff. But the one thing I, I should say two things I noticed. Well, you guys notice he's not running as much or as frequently as this year. And I don't know why that is. His yards per carries down. You know, it feels like a huge part of Josh Allen's game is his legs and he's doing it in the red zone, but it's not actually doing it between the twenties. And I think that kind of takes away the deep ball a bit, but also the target volume, the Stefan Diggs just hasn't been there. Their chemistry is yeah. a little bit off compared to last year. Like last year, Stefan Diggs was just a man among boys amongst wide receivers. He you know set the record for, catches and yards and touchdowns in his first season with a new team it was incredible and I guess you can expect some sort of regression but I actually thought those two would be even better this year mm, and I don't know, maybe maybe there's a thing Josh Allen just has too many weapons to throw to but I think Dawson Knox coming back at some point that's going to help the Bills out too one of the things I want to ask is specifically as it relates to Josh Allen and the MVP discussion and as you mentioned it's, it's not like there's a quarterback out there that's really going bonkers and one of the things that I've worked on for a long time is a quarterback metric composite. I call it QB stew. And, you know, when you look at these things and you take all these composite metrics together and you take the PFF grade and the DVOA and the NEA and all this stuff like this last year, Aaron Rodgers was absolutely bonkers. Like you said, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't go completely off the reservation into a, a la la land world of quarterback play last year, then Josh Allen is probably the NFL MVP this year. It's not the same. There are multiple quarterbacks who were better last year than the best quarterback is this year when it comes to these holistic composite metrics. When you look at the betting line on Josh Allen being MVP, still being high, yeah, really is high. that because the rest of the schedule is soft? Are they thinking he's going to turn it around? Because they're waiting for someone to separate. Someone hasn't done it yet. They seem to think it's going to be Josh Allen. Do you think so too? I think Josh Allen's going to have a better second half of the year than he did the first half. And I don't think he had a terrible first half here. But, yeah, I'm kind of feeling the same way you are, Bruce. Like, I have a feeling that with Patrick Mahomes kind of playing himself out of the MVP race because he has 10 interceptions, so you kind of could take him out. But mm. I think people are really underestimating what Lamar Jackson's been doing in Baltimore. I mean, look at who their running backs are. They're, they're like the fantasy squad from 2015 you all wanted to have. Devonta Freeman, Le'Veon Bell. Those guys suck. I'm sorry. They yeah. I, I see a lot. They're, they're not good. Their offensive line's banged up. He is literally carrying that team on his back. And I just think people expect this out of Lamar Jackson now because he, he threw for 36 touchdowns one season, led the league in touchdown passes, 
led the league in touchdown percentage. He was one of the league leaders in DVOA that year, even though, you know, he can't throw. And it's one of those where I don't think they want to hand a guy like that the award. And, you know, they're starting to think, okay, Buffalo's going to turn their season around. Josh Allen's going to get hot again. Josh Allen does have the mobility. I mean, I just don't see Aaron Rodgers winning this award again because they're going to compare it to last year. It's Matthew Stafford. Every time someone wants to give him the award, it's, yeah. you know, he puts out a clunker. Kyler Murray's hurt. I, I mean, really, it's – Kyler Murray probably should be one of the front runners for MVP, but, he, you know, he missed last week. And this, and I think people are starting to realize, look, the Cardinals are actually really good. It's not just Kyler Murray. That, yeah. that, that whole team's ridiculously talented. So you're right. It's who is going to take over this MVP th- race. And Josh Allen has the talent to do that. And I think that's why, the you know, it's not like it's a plus 2,000 here. You know, I would probably put my money on Josh Allen just because of a the Bills schedule and B the Bills are still a really good football team, regardless of what people are starting to think about them after that Jacksonville loss. Um, Jeff, I I I I kind of want to go back to our one of one of the people in our in our chats. Josh Allen is our running back, and and I guess that is that is true. But I, I kind of want to go back to your point, Jeff, about Josh Allen and maybe the frequency in which he's he's not running or, or the areas of the field he's not running in. And I I I do think that last year there were a lot more designed runs and and I don't know that there's necessarily to me anyways a coincidence between one of the better performances this offense has had this season against Kansas City and the frequency and effectiveness of Josh Allen's legs in that game I mean that was his best running performance of the season Josh is still I believe Bruce unless you're you could tell me I'm wrong here that he is still right now the leading rusher on the team if he's not the leading rusher he's number two and it's close with Singletary he's number two and it's close with Singletary Okay, there it is. So um, is it weird to you too, Jeff? Because if you look at the Bills' overall rushing numbers, Josh Allen, it's like lipstick on a pig. I mean, they don't run the ball effectively, yet they're top 10 in yards per game and and some of these other larger volume metrics. But how much do you believe maybe in the second half of the season, considering the struggles they're having traditionally running the football with their running backs that maybe they lean into Josh Allen. And how do you balance if you're Brian Dable wanting to get your kickstart, your rush game with Josh Allen and maybe bringing that safety down in the box with also knowing that it's a long season. You don't want to maybe subject your quarterback, your franchise quarterback to some bigger hits in the field of play. Well, I think it's going to come down to the AFC East race too. Will the new England Patriots be close to Buffalo? Mm. Whatever you got to play them twice too. I, I, I still don't think new England's that good football team. I just think, Buffalo has not had the greatest first half and they're not running away with it. So, you know, we got to make a storyline. Oh, the Patriots are back. Patriots are back. No, they're not back. They're not playing anybody. Buffalo's got to play these teams too. So you got to look at it that way. But uh, back to your initial point, Nate, uh, what I think, I think Josh Allen needs to run a little bit more just because to cover up the weakness of the Bills offensive line, which to me has been incredibly disappointing this year from what I've watched. I know they've had a couple injuries here and there, but what team doesn't? Uh, I think, though, if he runs the ball a little bit, that opens up the deep ball. That opens up the offense just a bit because you're right. you got to put that safety down the box. You have to worry about Josh Allen actually taking off. And there's going to be a game where I have a feeling Josh Allen's going to not have like a 15-carry game, but there's going to be a game where he has like eight carries for like 60 or 70-yard, kind of like the Chiefs game. Mm -hmm. And – it's going to make a difference because I think when he took off against Kansas City, Kansas City's defense isn't good to begin with. I, I mean, they were terrible when they played Buffalo, but they're like, oh, oh wait, now we got to stop him. Um, yeah. You know, we thought we had to stop Stephon Diggs. We, had, we thought we had to stop Emmanuel Sanders and, you know, Gabe Davis and guys like that. Now you're 
starting to worry about his legs a bit. I think that's where you got to use the run to set up the pass. But I got to find Devin Singletary's story for you. So there's a guy in our fantasy league who tries to trade Devin Singletary every single week. And he's tried to trade him to me like four <laughs> times. I go, you guys know Devin Singletary isn't even the best running back on the Bills, right? It's Josh Allen. Yeah, right. I mean, and, and and to the point, thank you to our uh, our our listener, Jason Taylor, who is correct in saying Josh Allen is the best running back in the team. Bruce? Absolutely. And I think that we've gone to the spot now where that's no longer an insult when we hear it. Because early in Josh Allen 2018, when he was rushing for 97 yards a game, three games in a row, the joke was he's a running back. Initially, it was he's a tight end. Now he's yes. a running back. Then he lights everybody up with 4,500 passing yards. Now when they call him a running back, we no longer get upset anymore. We're like, yeah, he's the best running back on the team and also the quarterback. And, and, that, and that's definitely a thing. I want to ask you a little bit about Lamar Jackson in mm. concert with Josh Allen based on what we just talked about. So it feels to me like people have moved on a little bit from the Josh Allen as a running back thing. Is it going to take the rest of the year for Lamar Jackson putting up really good passing efficiency numbers for people to move on from Lamar Jackson as a running back? Is that what it's going to take? Because apparently the MVP season wasn't good enough because it was too related to rushing. And so it helped partially reinforce the narrative rather than eliminate it. But if you look at his efficiency metrics, throwing the ball is really good. And as you mentioned, it's not like he's getting a lot of help. You know, the, the Baltimore Ravens go out. They try to get him more help with Sammy Watkins. He gets hurt shockingly again. Then you have Rashad Bateman gets hurt again. Hollywood Brown, who in the previous two years did not turn it on, becomes the de facto receiver. I don't think Hollywood Brown got better. I think Lamar Jackson got better at throwing the ball to Hollywood Brown. So for me, what is it going to take, do you think, for Lamar Jackson to be recognized as a passer as good as the metrics say he is? I am convinced Lamar Jackson could hoist the Vince Lombardi trophy and they will still say he's a running back. I, I, I am at that point. It's I'm done arguing with people about Lamar Jackson. I can throw you every stat in the book, and you guys know that. I did it with Josh Allen last year. Every time someone trashed Josh Allen, I was like, oh, Josh Allen is second in this, or he's third in this, or, or oh, no, he does it in garbage time. I'm like, garbage time? So the Bills are winning by 20? That's that's garbage time now? Okay, like I'm getting that in Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts every time I defend him. And, you know, Josh Allen is my example for that. But uh, back to your initial point, it's I, I just feel like everybody looks at Lamar Jackson's running numbers, and you know he runs for a thousand yards, and you know leads the league in yards per carry again, and they just look well. He's a running back. Well, if you look at the yards per attempt, if you look at the passing yards, if you look in the, at the completion percent, he improves every single year. I mean, I don't know what this guy has to do. I thought the year he threw thirty six touchdowns and won the MVP, that was going to be enough for us, and it clearly wasn't. Every time he loses a game, you got to hear the same stuff all the time from Lamar. Oh, you know, it's because he, he can't read the defense or, you know, they blitz him because he doesn't know how to read the coverage. I'm like, no, he doesn't know how to read the coverage. Uh, like you said, Bateman got hurt. Uh, you know, Hollywood Brown, uh, Sammy Watkins shot the pass in the end zone. It's, you know, if you're rushing nine guys, you know, basically going in the cover zero, it's hard for any quarterback to beat that, not just Lamar Jackson. I have a feeling that Lamar Jackson saw that again, or if he saw it on a full week and not a short week, he he wins that. So I I, I don't know. To me, it's... It's it's very tough for, for me. I, I personally think it, it's never going to be convinced about Lamar Jackson. I, I just think people are sold on their metrics with him or sold on their initial opinion on him, and, and that's it. And 
I think some people are going to be like that with Josh Allen. I think some people are going to be like that with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I mean, you guys hear it. You guys hear Patrick Mahomes is a choker now, right? I haven't I, heard it, but I uh, imagine, you know, Patrick Mafraud or was, it, was, a, was a really good one that I heard. I'm like, I don't even understand. Like, you literally, that's not even, it's like the least clever insult ever. Patrick Mafraud. Like, it doesn't even rhyme with Holmes. It's no. not the same, you know, the same mouthfeel as it's coming out of you. Like, there. There's no alliteration. Like it's the least no, clever no insult. creativity. Yeah. The internet is simultaneously the avenue to the most creative insults and the lamest, worst insults of all time. It's just, it's just absolutely staggering that now that's part of the narrative. I just, I just it's don't crazy. understand it. I really don't. One more thing I want to talk to you about, Jeff, before I get you out of here. And it's you mentioned Jalen Hurts. You mentioned that you're a Jalen Hurts defender, mm. and there's not a lot of Jalen Hurts defenders because I think the assumptiveness has been that Jalen Hurts was the silver medal for the Philadelphia Eagles. There was a lot of discussion. They wanted Zach Wilson prior to the draft. They weren't able to go up and get him. They accumulate these first-round picks. People assume they're just going to use him on a quarterback next year, even though the quarterback class isn't that good. People are like, okay, he's going to be a really good fantasy quarterback, but he's not going to be a really good real quarterback. And then he's going through this year. The Eagles trade for Gardner Minshew. Then they move on from Joe Flacco. Now there's a subsection of people who want to see Gardner Minshew get it. And they got shut up a little bit when the Eagles absolutely came out and dominated their last opponent. But then it's the same kind of thing this week with this low murmur where it feels like nobody really believes in Jalen Hurts. Are you a Jalen Hurts believer? Because you said that and all the bells and whistles went off in my head. Did I find a Jalen Hurts believer? So I look at it this way. If you like, you know, if you put a gun in my hand and ask me, where, where would you rank Jalen Hurts among the quarterbacks? I'd be like, well, 21st, 22nd, if we're going to be honest here. But I think I always look at guys like Josh Allen as why Jalen Hurts can grow. Look, the guy's only had 13 starts in his career. And He's very good in the red zone. He adds that extra dynamic with his legs. Does he roll to his right too much? Absolutely. Is he terrible against zone defenses? Absolutely. That should not happen. You should not be terrible against zone defenses, good against man coverage. But he is. I, I don't understand. There's a lot of Jalen Hurts' game he needs to work on. Doesn't have a great arm. Isn't exactly the most accurate passer. But here was Josh Allen his first two years, and I kind of stood by him and said, you know what, this guy's going to be pretty good. You know, why don't we, like, pump the brakes a little bit and let these guys develop? I think that's the problem with a lot of these quarterbacks in this game today. We tend to move on from them after an X amount of starts. Like in Buffalo, they could have easily moved on from Josh Allen after 2019. But one thing I like about Buffalo, the, the organization, Brandon Bean, and, and in a way with the fans, you guys are stubborn to the point where, no, we're going to wait this out until this guy absolutely crumbles. And it never did. And he got better. And you're right. Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia is the quarterback that – they do not want. They want a Kenny Pickett. They wanted a Zach Wilson. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for some reason, they didn't want Justin Fields. I never understood that. Um, but, I, again, I digress. It, it just feels like they don't want a quarterback like Jalen Hurts. They want a pocket passer. They want a guy who could throw the ball and have a little bit mobility. That's what Jeffrey Lurie wants. That's what Hallie Roseman wants. But I think the guy they got isn't exactly the worst quarterback in the world. He's not the best, but he's not the worst. It's kind of like Josh Allen. But, if he gets better and improves, this 2022 quarterback class isn't good. Russell Wilson is no trade clause. Aaron Rodgers is no trade clause. Why the heck would they want to come to Philadelphia? Uh, again, it's why don't you just develop this guy for a year or two and then see what you got and then move on from them? I, I mean, can you win a Super Bowl with Jalen Hurts right now? Absolutely not. 
are you going to be the worst team in the NFL with Jalen Hurts? No. So, in my opinion, you just developed the guy. He brings such an interesting dynamic to the game. I, I kind of feel like right now he's Lamar Jackson in his rookie year, just doesn't have the killer on. So, uh, it, since, since I know how you feel about Jalen Hurts, <laughs> quickly, Hurts or Tua? Oh, Hurts. <laughs> and I'm a Tua guy, too. I was one of those guys who said, oh, Tua, I didn't say, think he was going to be the best quarterback in that draft. But I'm like, I have Justin Herbert are neck and neck. But I love both um, quarterbacks when they were coming out. And when Herbert went to the Chargers, I'm like, okay, he, he might be pretty good right away if he plays. And Tua, I thought, would make the Dolphins' offense better. But the Dolphins... They are just a mess of an organization. Uh, yeah, no, top no to bottom. Coordinators, it's you know, I actually thought them and the Bills were going to kind of take over the AFC East a little bit here, and the Dolphins just can't get out of their own way. They have all these draft, they have all these draft picks, all this draft capital. They blow that. They they ruin their franchise quarterback because they don't get an offensive line. You guys saw the stat I put up uh, earlier this week, right? The Dolphins three offensive linemen lead yeah. the in pressures a lot. That's insane. It's they're just an organization there. I feel like if they had good leadership, they'd be really good. But they don't, and you know it's going to hurt Tua. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time and being a part of this. Uh, before you get out of here, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you, what you're working on. We appreciate you taking time out of your Friday Indeed. night to be part of this. We had a great time. Hope you had a good time. Let everybody know where they can find you, what you're working on. Okay, so right now, um, so I do divisional power rankings every week uh, for CBS Sports. It's one of my, one of the more fun things I like to do. And I've been trashing the AFC East all year. I haven't been trashing <laughs> Buffalo, but I've been trashing the division a lot. So the AFC East actually was on good graces this week because even with the Buffalo loss, because everybody else in the division had like a big upset or, you know, New England looks like they're good or something. But you can find me at Jeff Kerr CBS. I do a lot of previews of the games. I tweet a lot of fun stuff. I do a buy the numbers column every week. For CBS, usually pick a player. To, uh, at, soon, at some point, I'm going to do Josh Allen again. It's I remember last year I revisited the 2018 quarterback class when they all went to the playoffs, and it, it, it's funny when you look at Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield. They've all actually had pretty good careers, even though mm -hmm. they they're just chastised every single week. So it, it, it's kind of interesting when you think of when you think about that. But yeah, you can find all my work on CBSSports.com. Uh, Jeff Kerr, CBS. Uh, I work for Jacob Media too. I I go on the radio three times a week for 973 ESPN in Atlantic City. Uh, Jacob Media, I'm a co-host of a Eagles-centric show. Uh, you know, if you guys actually care about the Eagles or not, uh, Birds 365. But I talk a lot of NFL stuff on there, too. But, yeah, I always have some fun NFL stats to, to tweet out. And for people who like to argue, uh, this is what I like about Bills fans. You guys don't argue too much. Uh, Eagles fans, they, they just do not want Jalen Hurts as their quarterback. Uh, Browns fans love my love for Baker Mayfield. Even I don't really love him, but you know I gotta defend. I defend a lot of quarterbacks and a lot of players in this league. It's it helps build relationships. To be honest with you. Well, listen, Jeff. If you think that uh, that 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 Bills fans aren't too difficult on Twitter, I would have hated for you to be around during the drought years. Uh, I think you might have a uh, a slightly different opinion. But Jeff, we really appreciate all the insight hanging out with us tonight here on Food for Thought. Thanks for being our inaugural guest for the, uh, our, our new Genesee Brewing Company presenting sponsor. We really appreciate it and uh, enjoy the season. And, uh, and hopefully the, the Eagles can find a way into some uh, meaningful games in January for you to be, uh, to be working deep into the year. I have a feeling in January I'll be asking my boss to um, uh, go up to Buffalo and see a playoff game. <laughs> first, hey. uh, first of all, I want to see 
you guys jump on tables. I, I keep hearing about it. I keep seeing the Twitter feed. I want to see that live in person. That, that'll blow up on my Twitter feed. If I well, can. listen, you you let me know if you can make your way up. I'll make sure you're taking good care of. We'll get you a good. Uh, we'll get you into a couple good wing spots and, uh, and and hook you up real well. All right, sounds great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate you. We got Jeff Kerr Catch there me, Jeff. from CBS Sports, and uh, we really appreciate him and his insight tonight. Yeah, I the the AFC playoff picture um, is really interesting with all these five win teams, Bruce, and um, it, it is interesting to me to kind of. I'll always have a fun time talking about tour. It's uh, because here's the thing: I have a lot of friends that are Dolphins fans. I don't know if you knew this about me, but I have a lot of friends that are Dolphins fans, and they're all. This is a this is a family show, but they're all freaking crazy they're just idiots i love them to death love them to death absolute nut job sickos sickos sick people sick in the head andy anderson says imagine dan campbell coaching tua people wanted a tua renaissance in the nfc the way that drew Brees got a renaissance that'd be awesome i'd be thrilled i don't know i don't know if you speak to that but His i think I'd, I'd be absolutely thrilled bad dude i've listen <clears throat> i have Ben field level, watch Josh Allen throw the football. I, I, I haven't seen much like that in my life. I, I, I feel, I feel this with conviction that I have fully gone away, fully gone away from throwing a football. And um, I think I'd like an opportunity for a throw off with Tua. Really? I think I'd, I think I'd, uh, I think I welcome it. For those of you who are listening in podcast form, Nate is currently striking a pose with his football cocked high next to his ear hole. Not quite like Jeff Tetford, Aaron Rodgers at Cal High, but at the right appropriate posing for your senior pictures high, which is what you're getting space. from. Yeah, you got to get the space there. Got to get the space get the in space. between the football and the palm of your hand. Otherwise, the spin won't happen. So, Nate, I appreciate you blessing us. Those of us with <laughs> eyes and those who are on the visual medium now with a picture. And I hope that I did appropriate play-by-play -play work there was good. for those of you listening in audio. I'm just trying to audition because, you know, John Murphy's out this week with COVID. He and is. they didn't call me, Nate. I can't, you know, That's I can't bad. help but notice the Bills did not call me for play-by-play. -play. I kind of feel like they should, Nate. I feel like you've been slighted a little bit, yeah. I, I should write a strongly worded letter. Nate, you should a very and let him know that like radio is your medium of choice because you don't have to worry about your face being shown. Absolutely. I was, why I have I, a face like for radio. radio. Yeah. It's amazing. Same. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Same. Okay, so as we go 
to the comments section. Make sure if you've got anything you want to talk about, now is the time to put it in the comments section and make sure we can have an opportunity to dabble in Does some Ms. of the Nolan comments. have any more trash talk for me or is she has she subsided? Mrs. Nolan has subsided in the trash talk, at least in <laughs> at least in the in the in the texts. She did say she agrees with Dippy Eggs, likes Dippy Eggs. Absolutely. When she realized I was reading her texts on air, she dropped me with an OMG. Like she was like suddenly embarrassed because yeah, you know, Mrs. Nolan, she's a she's really big trash talking, like behind the screen. <laughs> because really it's not because she's a pansy it's not because that it's because she's too nice that's right she wants to be able to trash talk but she's just too nice of a human being let's be honest the only reason she married me is because she's a gracious sacrificial woman who decided charity charity i mean absolute charity right married vastly below my uh her station you know so she was basically just giving charity to me by imagining her life with me and then saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll sign up with that. JR says, imagine Bruce coaching Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell would be an awesome player. Can you imagine? You're like, Dan, run through this wall. Yes, coach, let's go. Bam. Absolutely. Dan Campbell's the Kool-Aid man. I can't believe believe that I I got got by that tweet, that Dan Campbell tweet. Somebody somebody put a fake quote and it was like a fake check mark. It was like an Adam Schefter fake account. And uh, the quote was something along the lines of like, you know, oh, yeah, I drink like six, six things of, or, uh, you know, six uh, cups of coffee every morning. And then I do like two lines of cocaine and I like retweeted. I was like, is this guy for real? Did he really say this? <laughs> like, come on. Like, how believable does does Dan Campbell saying that he throws down two lines of of cocaine before football games like that is why is that so believable to me that I would quote tweet it? The fact that you thought for a brief second enough for your finger to hit the quote tweet button and, and it go, did, man. guys, I, I think this might be legit. That says all you pretty much need to know about Dan Campbell. JR says, my friend brought me down a plate from Rochester last weekend. What are your thoughts on garbage plates? All right, JR, here's what's going to happen. You must have been late to this show coming in. So listen to it in podcast form yeah. tomorrow when it drops. We did an entire thing on garbage plates it's already. Good. Colin says, how well do you think Josh has done with his checks at the line this year? Is he audibling to runs at the right times? This is a really, really difficult thing to monitor. Yeah, it is. Because you don't really know what the checks are, and you don't necessarily know if there's dummy calls built in. So sometimes you'll see Josh Allen get to the line scrimmage, and I'll never forget Peyton Manning. Famous story about Peyton Manning. I think he told it on the Manning cast not too long ago is what he would have his do, he would have his backup quarterbacks do. Because let's be honest, Peyton Manning's backup quarterbacks were basically water boys. So what he would have them do is, hey, go back and watch the game on television from last week. Any of my calls that got picked up by the microphone, let me know what they are. So what he would do is he would have his calls that he knew were picked up by a microphone ended up being dummy calls the next week. So for example, if the microphone on the television version of his game picked up him saying ludicrous ludicrous and then it was a a run to the left because of the word l right ludicrous ludicrous right maybe it was an outside zone run a stretch play to the left okay great so what he would do is okay they picked that up that means somewhere out there a defensive quality control coach for the team who we're playing this week 
watched the game back and thought he was super brilliant when he came up with the concept that ludicrous was a stretch play to the left. So what they would do is they would keep the word in. They would keep ludicrous as a phrase into the call. But now it would be a play action to the left. Or now right. it would be something that looks a little bit like that in the first few seconds. And it would be something out the backside. So he would do that. And that's one of the reasons why it's difficult to really evaluate whether or not Josh Allen has been good with checks to the line. Because you don't know no. what's a call and what's a dummy call. Now, you do know that Josh Allen has a lot of power. You know this. Brian Dable has said this. Josh Allen has confirmed this. Anyone who's played in this particular system, the New England system, has had a scenario where they go, listen, they ask a lot of their quarterbacks. So we know Josh they Allen do. has the power. And one of the things I mentioned on uh, social media not too long ago is part of the blanket criticism for quote-unquote play calling, some of that falls on Josh Allen. Because he has that power. And with great power comes great responsibility. Nice. That's right. I made a Spider-Man nice. reference on a Friday night. Right. Food for thought. For thought. Food, football, and fandom. And yes. fanaticism about F comics. Fanaticism, like yes. But I think it's difficult to really understand how much control he has. And therefore, it's hard to know how much blame he has. So I know that's a really long way of saying I don't know. But I wanted to give you the why behind the I don't know. Nate, do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I listen. It's it, to your point. It's really difficult to know from a play what's called, what the potential check is, and what Josh Allen has the freedom to do at the line of scrimmage. Because I think what, what people have to understand is when you're at the line of scrimmage and you have a check with me call and you call two plays at the line of scrimmage, or you have to call two plays in the huddle, you get up to the line of scrimmage, you get that kill kill call, right? Like. That is not Josh Allen having free reign to pull a play from the playbook, right? Like he is not pulling plays out in the middle of a game, you know, where they've got a they've got a pass called and all of a sudden he's calling a run play that wasn't the check call. Do you know what I mean? So it's not like Madden here where you get five options and you kick one of the, you know, you you hit the audible button and then you hit the 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 triangle button because that's the halfback dive play and then he comes up to the line of scrimmage and calls everybody calls the halfback dive play at the line of scrimmage you have a finite amount of time pre and post snap here right or, or I should say pre snap from when the time because you have to remember this too guys is with when that fifteen seconds goes off and and the coach comes out of his headset. There was still a lot happening. Brian Dable is up in the box. He gets to see that bird's eye view when he gets to the line of scrimmage. So the sooner they can get to the line of scrimmage, they can sort of ID what the defense is in pre-snap. And then Dable has to rely, you know, once he gets off of the off the microphone, if there is a change or they, they roll to something post-snap that they can sort of, um, you know, uh, adjust on the fly. So, I think for me, it's almost impossible. It's fool's gold trying to figure out what they're doing at the line of scrimmage, what play um, Josh has at his disposal uh, to kill to. And 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 when you don't know those things, it's hard to judge. So I think for me, what I'll say is there's I, I think there's a couple of, of, of times that I'd like to see Josh check out of run calls. Um, and we haven't seen that. And and I think the 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 difficulty in trying to figure this out too, Bruce, is the Bills, it's not like they haven't been given good, ideal run boxes. It's not like they're, they haven't been getting five um, and six-man boxes. They have. They just have not been able to win enough one-on-one -on -one battles at the line of scrimmage um, you know, to, to, to run it effectively. Like I, I think about when Todd Gurley had his unbelievable 
um, season, what, four years ago, three years ago now, um, he faced more five-man boxes than any running back in the entire league. And that's why he was so successful. The Bills, part of that was the offensive line, but part of that also is, at the time, Todd Gurley's ability to you know, be an elite level runner. I think the bills miss a little bit of both. I think they miss having some better offensive line play, winning more one-on-one battles. And I think they leave a little bit to be desired at the running back position in terms of total overall talent. So um, there's a lot of things that, that I think you can blame on this running game. I'm not sure that, you know, lack of checks or checking into different plays um, at the line of scrimmage from Josh is like uh, real high on my list. Richard Rush says, tonight we had breakfast for dinner. Nice. Bacon, hash browns, sausage, gravy, and biscuits, dippy eggs. Oh, we have another dippy egg appearance. When is the best time to have breakfast? I say dinner. So Fine. my theory on food has always been, will always be, eat what you want when you want. If you want to have chili at 7 a.m. on a Thursday, do you do it. If you want to have breakfast at 2 a.m., do it. If you want to eat pie... How about this? Or if you want to eat, and and it's so funny you said you said this, Bruce, because my girlfriend made these unbelievable homemade brownies the other day. Fudge, just un, unreal, right? And right before dinner, I was starving. Got back from the radio, I was like, I got to eat something. And she was making, um, she she stuffs acorn squash, um, throws it in the oven, bakes them off, really good, nice and soft. Throws a combination of couscous, um fresh apple that she cuts and puts in with some onion and then chicken sausage and then a little balsamic vinaigrette uh, uh drizzle oh dude it's just it's it's so good but the um wait what was i just talking about i just i just got lost in the acorns you squash. were talking about missing something and pies oh yeah, yeah 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 but so you know when you cooking acorn squash and you throw it in the oven to roast it it could take a long time it's a half hour yeah, you know absolutely. so and i'm like i'm starving now I'm going to eat a brownie before dinner. And I looked at her and I said, this is adulthood. Like I have the freedom to eat a brownie before dinner. The constraint, like the constraints of my childhood are no longer. Like I don't have to wait until after dinner to eat this brownie. I'm going to eat one after the show too. The idea that you could ruin your appetite was the biggest lie that was perpetrated on you by your parents when you were a child. I'm not going to ruin my appetite. First off, it's awesome. Second off, if I wait long enough, my appetite will come back. Thank you very much. Propaganda. one brownie is not going to change anything about my appetite for your chipped beef, mom. Thank you very much. Moving along, JR says, yes, I was sorry. I, 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 I was late. I hardly missed the show. It's seriously my favorite. Like, for real, JR, we love you. We do so love thank you, you for being a part of the Food for Thought family. Um, really important question before yep. we move on to winners and losers. Mm-hmm. Is bacon better, crispy, or chewy? Per Liam. I'm going to go crispy, and I'll tell you why I'm going to go crispy. Um, fat is not something I enjoy really gnawing on. Mm. I don't really love gnawing on it with my steak. I don't like gnawing on it with bacon. For me, the crispiness is necessary to allow the entirety of of the bacon strip to be eaten in equal bites as Mm. opposed to this weird gnawing that happens in half the bite and it kind of ruins the other half and it's just it's better crispy so i don't think that's the actual question that should be asked i think the question that should be asked is do you like your bacon fried in a pan or in an oven oh that's a real good question so i am an oven guy i am too Okay. Okay. Because I do think you get a little bit crispier, but I, 
I there's a fine line for me because bacon can cross into crispy into like hard. And I don't like that transit that that transition. And, and it's a very delicate process. You got to pull it at the right time, especially from the oven, because it cooks a little for like 10 seconds after it comes out. Um, so you got to pull it in time, give it a couple seconds when it's out, still kind of cooking. Um, but I don't mind it in a pan cooking in its grease. I think that you can tend to, if you like it chewier, I think that's the way to go is cooking it in its own grease uh, because it just stays a little bit more, uh, a little bit Moist. more liquidy. Yeah. Sure. A little moisture, but um, yeah, I think, I think the question is how you like your bacon is really just how you like it cooked. Cameron says, is Dable going through a rough patch in terms of play calling or is it a symptom of a larger issue? I think that Dable is struggling right now to accommodate for the lack of offensive line ability and the lack of ability to run the ball. When you can't do that, you ha- you can't really be what you want to be. The Buffalo Bills want to be a certain thing, and the offensive line is stopping them from becoming that thing. I do think that there are things that Brian Dable can do to assist, but there is no game plan associated with football that mm-hmm. revolves around your offensive line being bad. You can call a play or even a small handful of plays that you can help to accommodate for bad offensive lines but you can't build an entire successful game no. plan. Can you think of a team that was a dominant offense recently that had a terrible offensive line? Anybody? Bueller? It's really difficult. You know why? Because the game plan can accommodate for something like that, but it can't excuse something like yeah, that. Yeah, it can't. We talked about on the Bruce exclusive earlier this week is that you can accommodate for a bad offensive line a play or two or even a drive or two. But over the long run, one of the things that kills drives is massively negative plays. Sacks, mm-hmm. negative plays. Guess what that guess what the symptom is that leads to that? Bad offensive line play. Yeah. So, bad offensive line play leads to negative plays which lead to killing drives. And it's just part of the problem. It's like dominoes. You hit it once, they all kind of fall together. So, I think Dable is not adjusting as fast as I think he potentially could. To the offensive line, I think he goes into the game thinking it's going to hold up better than it does. But ultimately, Brian Dable is not the primary focus at all for me when it comes to no. the Buffalo Bills offensive struggles at all. He is a distant third for me when it comes to things like that. So, Nate, thoughts? I'm with you. I, I, I'm not really I'm not honing in on Dable as a, as a primary source of my frustration. Some of it is play call driven. There's no doubt. But I again, I, I sort of go back to what you're working with and the plays that you're calling based on the personnel and what you believe you're going to be successful doing. Uh, the thing that I want to caution is some of the things I heard uh, Sean McDermott say this week, and, and, and I think it would be a mistake for this offense, for for Sean McDermott to try to press upon Brian Dable to be more physical. And because I, I believe how that looks or that sounds is I'm equating physicality to do- dominating the line of scrimmage and trying to establish a powerful downhill run game. I think that would be a mistake. I don't believe that's the identity of this offensive line right now. They are a finesse pass blocking offensive line they don't get downhill particularly well and who the only guy that I really see that can do that is their rookie right tackle Spencer Brown Um, so I think for me I'm not looking for this Bills team to change who they are and become more physical at the line of scrimmage and want to be a power run team um, and want to beat you with physicality and north-south running like that is not 
the type of identity that I, I think that would be a mistake. I, in fact, I would much rather see the Bills throw the ball 17 consecutive times again this week because the matchup dictates it. That's what I want to see this offense do on a more regular basis is not say, we want to be this, so we're going to do this. Instead of saying, the defense is doing this, therefore we will do that. And I think they need to be more matchup dependent um, and, and less about what they want to try to get accomplished that day and more about what the defense is giving them and what they can exploit from them. So I think I, I want to see more matchup-based schemes and matchup-based game plans. And, and, and I think some of the things I, – I, I think it took them a little while. In fact, I, I, they just didn't wake up last week, Bruce. I think they got to a point where it was too far gone where they realized what we're doing – is not having success. We need to move. We need to pivot to things to take advantage of what this defense is doing, and they just were never able to do it. They started by throwing the ball to Stephon Diggs, who I thought was open all day. They need to start throwing and feeding him the ball more. But I think I think trying to become a physical offensive presence would be a mistake for the Bills. That's just not their identity. I agree. It's a little bit like just trying to be something you're not. And mm -hmm. it's about a le level of self-awareness yeah. that this is just – this is not – this is not what you built the team to be. You know, I think you wanted to build the team to that. I think when you draft players like Cody Ford and Spencer Brown, you want to be a physical offensive line. But guess what? That's not the way it worked out. You know, I I wanted to be a brain surgeon, but here I am. So it just didn't work out that way. So I'm not going to decide now when I am X amount of years old that well, I'm just going to go be a brain surgeon now. That's just not yeah. what I'm going to do. Right. So. We're going to move on to winners and losers in the NFL, and we have Deion Pawkins. Never, I will never not like that name. Nope. Is the Always NFL good. the loser this week with the Gruden yeah. lawsuit, lawsuit and the constant officiating questions? I'll let you take this. Is the NFL the biggest loser in the NFL this week, Nate? Yeah, and, and, and damn the NFL for making John Gruden, making me agree with him. I, I think this is a smart move by John Gruden. I think he's going to press the league into deciding whether or not they want to go into discovery on this um, and 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 essentially air their dirty laundry in order to shut up uh, John Gruden. And, and I think it was always very interesting that 650,000 emails were, 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 were gathered and yet only John Gruden's were released. Um, so I think John Gruden has a real fight in this. I, I did a little research on the, on the firm that is, um, that's representing him. I don't think John Gruden's looking for a settlement. I think John Gruden's looking to burn the damn thing to the ground. Um, I think he's got a personal vendetta against Goodell in the league, and 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 I think this is not going to be the last time um, we hear about this and and some of the dirty laundry that I think is about to get aired from the NFL. Um, because I'm not sure Gruden really wants to settle for millions of dollars. I think he's I think he's set um, on some of the things that he's going to end up getting in his buyout from the from the Raiders and from the league. So um, I, if I were the league, I would be really worried. And and I can't for the life of me figure out if, how the league didn't think something like this was coming. I, I almost think that they they have to be prepared for this or they had to have been, but man, uh, if I were them, I, I'd be really worried about what John Gruden's trying to get done here because uh, he, he's certainly got an ax to grind with, with Goodell. And then for me, Bruce, the biggest winner, obviously with the biggest loser being the, the league and the officiating, I'll let you get in the officiating aspect, but I'll, uh, since, since I covered the, the Gruden lawsuit, but I think the biggest winner has got to be Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, Josh Allen, the, the other Josh Allen, um, I, I think that there was a, a little bit of complacency setting in about how good he was. Um, and he certainly put on display uh, last Sunday just how good the former number seven overall pick um, can be in Jacksonville. And, and, and if he is that player moving forward, 
Jacksonville is, is going to be in good shape on that defensive side of the ball, particularly up front. We have a truce issued by Mrs. Nolan in the text to me. Says, no more trash talking for now. Just flag. to thank you to Nate for introducing me to the best pizza ever. That being Picasso's Pizza. Uh, Mrs. Nolan that, has gone on record as saying that that is her favorite slice of pizza she has ever had. So she that. owes you a great debt. And there Got is you, peace. There is peace between them. So Got you, for N. me, biggest loser this week, I'm going to go, I'm going to stick with the NFL here on the officiating. Um, I think that the league's decision to double down on terrible, awful, taunting rules, I think is embarrassing. Yeah. And it shows a continuous lack of awareness of what the consumer actually wants. And I think there's a level of haughtiness and arrogance associated with the NFL saying, no, we will tell you what you want. You don't get to decide, Mr. and Mrs. Consumer, <clears throat> what I want and what you want. We will tell you what you want. And the consumer saying, we don't want this. We, we like the sky judge because you get things right more often. We don't like the taunting penalties because you're ridiculous. And it's an right. emotional game where you are asking somebody to play incredibly hard, incredibly physically, and incredibly violent for seven seconds, and then immediately turn off all aspects of emotion for the next 15 to 20 after that. And you're going to ask him to do that 60 to 80 times every single game. I'm sorry. You're just not going to. You're not going to. Yeah. And they think, well, it'll lead to something. I would love to see the data on them saying, well, things that we would consider to be taunting actually led when not properly enforced led to something more significantly down the road. I would love to see that because I don't think they have it. I don't think they have the data. I no, think they, they don't. just don't like the idea that I there's think it's a power play going on. That's not league sanctions. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's, I think it's a power play by the owners um, and the league uh, and, and, it's ruining the product, and I hope they I hope they see it sooner rather than later. My biggest winner this week. Oh gosh, I didn't really think about it, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Cam Newton. I think Cam Newton's hmm. my biggest winner this week because there were two significant people who changed teams this week: Odell Beckham and Cam Newton. I will tell you up the front what I think Odell Beckham is doing. I think Odell Beckham. Because people said, why are you going to the Rams if you weren't getting enough targets at the Browns? I think what Odell Beckham is doing is he's trying to get to Los Angeles because that's where his trainers are. And he's trying to get to Los Angeles so that he can rehab his image and win a ring. And he can play a good soldier for a half a year. He can rehab the image. He can win a ring. He can contribute. He can be part of that stuff. He can get a little bit of money. And then there's another team in L.A. that might be poised to lose its starting receiver next year. And that's the Chargers might need to be able to let Mike Williams walk in free agency. He's already in L.A. He's already rehabbed the image. He's ready to get them targets again. I think that's a potential avenue for Odell Beckham to try and weasel his way toward being a Charger next year. Kind of slither his way over there. It's not a bad a idea. It's not a bad idea. I got to be honest. If that's the case. More power to him. But my biggest winner was Cam Newton, the other player who changed teams. If there is an opportunity for Cam Newton to show that he can still be a viable starting quarterback in the NFL, I think it's with Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey was able to convince people for half a year that Sam Darnold had somehow turned a corner. And I used Sam Darnold as my biggest loser not too long ago because it turns out 
that it wasn't a matter of who stinked, who stank more, uh, Sam Darnold, stank, Adam stunk. Gase, or the Jets. The answer was all of them. All of them stank. There, the Jets fans spent so much time pointing at to whether it was Darnold or Gase or the team. It was all of you. All of you are bad. Not just one of you. All of you are responsible for the mess in New York over the last couple of years. And hopefully, Robert Sala is able to get it right. But if Cam Newton wants to prove that he can still be a viable NFL quarterback and that his shoulder is not completely shot, then Christian McCaffrey is a way to do this. Some of the greatest plays toward the back half of Christian McCaffrey, sorry, back half of Cam Newton's time with Christian McCaffrey in Carolina was on option routes was on choice routes and be able to get that yak and be able to say, okay, he may not be what he was, but if you look at the draft class coming up in the NFL draft and you go, those quarterbacks don't excite me. And you look around the league, Cam Newton has a chance to prove he can still be at least a stop. He certainly guy. does. I'm not saying he could be MVP Cam Newton, but what if he can be Tyrod Taylor? What if he can be someone who the NFL teams will look at as someone they want in his team? They won on their roster because right now Cam Newton was completely out of the league. So he wasn't even that. So a step up would be, we want him as a stopgap. We want him as a bridge quarterback. That would be a step up from where he previously was. And he has a chance to get there and extend his time in the league and extend his earning potential with the Carolina Panthers and with a healthy Christian McCaffrey. He is my biggest winner of the week. Nate, anything else for us before we get out of here? Uh oh, big news. Britney Spears uh finally freed from her conservative ship. Go Britney. Hashtag freed Britney. Freed right. Britney. That's correct. We did it. Mrs. Nolan will be proud of that one at the end. Yes, I figured and gentlemen, I, that was for her. That was for her. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Food for Thought. I had a wonderful time. I hope you had a wonderful time. And the most important thing is that when you go to a really nice restaurant and you get mm -hmm. what I think was spectacular service friendly talkative service the real question is did you leave hungry and in that case i hope you didn't leave hungry <laughs>